0: We have a a special theme for our service today, and uh, it is this. This is on your listening guide. Conflict is inevitable. Resolution is not. Or you may want to put it this way. Conflict is inevitable, but combat doesn't have to be. Combat is optional. 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 Every disagreement you have will either result in a breakdown or in a breakthrough. No matter what relationship you have, whether it's a marriage relationship, dating relationship, work relationship, any relationship you have, conflict is going to happen. And you have a choice about whether that results in a breakdown of the relationship and it never moves forward again or a breakthrough where it goes to a new level of intimacy. This is actually possible. The Bible talks about it. Jesus modeled it. It is possible to go to a deeper level of intimacy when we resolve conflict. We're going to talk about that today. Now, um, the key to breaking through to this new level of intimacy is how you handle anger. And the Bible has a lot to say about this. Because the Bible says that you can kill a marriage or a family with your anger. Look what it says in Proverbs 11, 29. The fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have what? nothing left. Bible's real honest. I love the Bible because it doesn't pull any punches. It says, "You're a fool if you give full vent to your anger, and if you do that to your spouse and to your family, eventually it will all disappear and you will be a lonely fool." Well, when you have an argument, there's really just three phases, and we're going to talk about these three phases as we watch our movie today. Phase 1 is recognition. We have a problem. Now, some of us, the male parts of the crowd, we often don't realize this as quickly as the females in our crowds or the females in the relationship. We don't realize it. But this is the irritation phase. In our movie, Monster-in-Law, it, it takes very, a very short amount of time for Mom, Viola, to realize that there is a problem. Watch this, and you'll see. I'm okay. kidding.
1: <laughs> Kevin! Oh, I've missed you so much. I promise I'll never leave you again. Oh, my God,
0: Mom, look at you. You look fantastic.
1: It's just something I threw together.
0: Come here. What? I'll introduce you to someone. Charlie. Mom? Charlie, this is Mom. Mom, Charlie.
1: Oh, hi. Oh, I'd love to just be able to think of it and make it. I must have spent the last... 30 years looking for the perfect little black cocktail, cocktail dress. dress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I know. What does <laughs> oh. well, it doesn't matter? You can wear anything with your figure. I mean, you look amazing. No, honey, thanks. Listen, when you're my age, if it ain't broke, you fix it before it is. <laughs> to get a word in edgewise with you, too. Oh, is he great or what? I'm going tell you too, that's a little scary. Show while you can. you go. Some more coffee. Actually, I was a little nervous about the two of you meeting. Really? Why? Well, because it's important to me. Uh, Mom, you're the most amazing woman I've ever known. And Charlie, I've never met anyone like you. You're real. You're honest. And although we've only known each other a few months, I, I, I feel like known you forever. I, I guess what I'm trying to say here is what are you doing for the rest of your life? What? Oh, oh my God. God. Charlie, will you marry me? It's it, it's too sudden. She's in shock. No! I mean, I yeah. mean, I am. But seriously, seriously, no, no, say no. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, gee, oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy for you. Oh, oh my God, I can't believe it. <laughs> so happy for you. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> Oh, please! That you're gonna be my oh, yeah. oh, congratulations! <laughs> I can't believe this. So happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. You're gonna need a moment alone. Excuse me. I'll be right back. Okay.
0: Irritation sets in immediately, and and Kevin and Charlie don't even know there's a problem. But Kevin's mom's insane. And so she does what any psycho mom would do when she thinks that no one is good enough for her son. She tries to break them up. So let's watch how she does that.
1: Oh, they're gone? Okay, well, I'll just put this baby back to bed, okay? My son, the brilliant surgeon, is going to marry a cowboy. He's some stronger than this. Where's that martini? Hooch will not solve your problems. She's going to destroy him. It is so clear. She's got no money, no career goals. She's just waiting for a rich, innocent to step right in her path. Kevin's smarter than that. Come on, you, you raised him well. He's a good boy. There's nothing you can do. Just let it go. You know what you need? A project or another husband. You know why don't you marry another gay guy? That was fun. You know you're right. I do need a project, and I have the perfect one. I am going to save my son. Here. All right. You go. Use those old contacts up here to get all the information you can about that little town. And exactly what do you expect to find? Everybody's got a pass, honey. Find something. And I'm going to open up the Montecito house and get a party planner. I'm going to give them an engagement party. And then what, lock her in the basement? When he sees how out of place she is in his world, it's going to be over. This will end badly.
0: Oh, it does end badly, if you've seen the movie. And, and actually, the Bible has some um, advice that Viola should have known. So I'm going to tell you, because you've got choices to make when your children grow up and they begin to date and they, they get, to these point, uh, get to the point that they're going to be your in-laws. You're going to be related to them. You've got some choices to make, and she makes bad choices. I want you to make good choices. So look what Numbers 32, 23 says. You may be sure that your sin will find you out. Anybody's sin ever, you thought it was secret and it crept back out at a very inopportune time. Anyone? Anyone? I'm the only one. Okay, some of you still don't know that it's going to come back. Your sin will find you out. Well, it does find her out, and and when her sin comes to light, and everybody knows what's going on, or at least Charlie does, it leads us to phase two of this anger thing. And phase two is reaction. Phase two is I'm ticked off, and I'm going to do something about it. This phase usually gets a little bit loud. Both parties know there's a problem, and no one wants to back down. So what do you do? You get even. That's the Baptist way. It's not the Christian way. It is the religious way. Charlie realizes she's been played, and so she decides she wants to get even, and we've got to watch her get even. Check this out. Video three. it's frozen Okay, give him a minute. The next the next thing I say here is we laugh at that scene. So laugh for me. We'll come back to it. <laughs> the problem is if we keep reacting to problems, does anyone ever win? No, everyone eventually loses. We get stuck in this phase. And actually, most marriages, most relationships get stuck in this phase of reaction. So now you get to laugh for real. Here we go.
1: I'm a little upset, as you can imagine. Well, I know that, and I'm sorry, but your doctor said (laughs) if you're feeling upset that you should take your pills, not alcohol. So you relax. I'll get them. Hope you like what I made. It's one of my mother's specialties. What's that? Tripe. It. It's a delicacy. Try it. It's like nothing you've never never nothing you've ever tasted. tasted. Trust me. So Kevin called, he's coming home tomorrow. I can't wait, I'm so excited, I miss him so much. I was thinking maybe the three of us could go to lunch tomorrow, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's a great idea too. I'll make reservations. It'll be so much fun. Don't you just love being girlfriends?
0: Now, you've wanted to get even with people, right? And some people have it coming. But if we get stuck here, we get in trouble. And God never wanted our lives to be stuck at phase two, the reaction phase. God has actually provided a way for us to move on to phase three, which is resolution uh, the resolution phase. Now, here's the thing. You stay through the reaction phase. You have to be committed to the process. Because if you back up from the reaction phase, phase and walk away, then you will never get where God intended for you to go. This is the what do we do now? Most marriages get stuck here and they don't know how to deal with their anger. Typically, there are two reactions when you, uh, when you are angry. One is to be aggressive. One is to, is to be passive. In most marriages, there is a skunk and a turtle and everyone knows which is which. The turtle, when they're under pressure, they withdraw and, and they don't talk to anybody. The skunk, there you go skunk blows up one blows up one clams up one is usually violent one is usually silent you need to learn how to express your anger appropriately and believe it or not the bible tells us four steps that we can take to handle anger appropriately and we're going to look at those right now does anybody need to know how to handle anger appropriately let me see your hand anybody have a family member sitting near you who needs to know how to handle anger appropriately and i'm about to just stir it up right we're about to have a fight Throw down right here in church. That's right. We'll use it as a case study. Go ahead. You want to bring it out in the open? All right. Number one, first step is admit my anger. Some of you are saying, well, I, no problem. Well, hang on. Look what Ephesians 4, 25 and 26 says. Stop lying to each other. Tell the truth. When we lie to each other, we are hurting ourselves. If you're angry, don't sin by nursing your grudge. Um, if you're angry, then then. The Bible says, don't sin by nursing your grudge. Put up that picture if you would, uh, Miriam. Now, I want you to tell me, what does this look like it's a glass of? Water. I mean, you would think that, right? What the Bible is talking about is anger. Anger's not sin. It's what you do with anger that determines whether it's sin. This says that you sin when you begin to nurse a grudge. And what you do is you continue to sip on what's in the cup. It's not water, it's poison, And when you become uh, angry and you don't let go, you become bitter and that is sin. You begin to sip on the poison. And we've said this before a few weeks ago. When you drink, when you're angry and you don't forgive, you drink the poison hoping someone else will die. Does that make sense? No. Just in case you didn't know that. That doesn't make any sense. So the Bible says, tell the truth. If you're angry, admit it. Don't say... Because I know at least half of this group, if, if if something's wrong with you, everybody in the room knows there's something wrong with you. What's wrong? Nothing. Bible says that's a lie. And see, I'm the type if you tell me nothing, I'm gonna go okay. I'm gonna act like nothing's wrong, because I just don't have time for that. But if you want to tell me the truth, then we can get somewhere. The Bible says denying your anger is lying, and anger is a God given emotion. If you never get upset over anything, you're denying reality. Sometimes the most appropriate thing that can happen in your marriage is that you get angry over something because it shows what you're passionate about. In the Old Testament, 375 times it says that God got angry. God doesn't sin. Sometimes anger is appropriate. In the New Testament, Jesus got angry when people were profaning the house of God. So anger itself is not a sin, it's what you do with it. Some people here like to don't like to admit when they're angry. I don't want anybody to know that I'm angry. Others of us, we don't care. Who knows? In fact, the more people who know when we're angry, the better we like it. That's called horse's butt syndrome, and we'll talk about that another day. That's not the topic for today. Some of you don't care, and that's not appropriate either. The Bible says if you're going to resolve your anger, first you've got to admit it and come to grips with it. Don't pretend it's not there. Number two, second step understand my anger and this again comes from scripture proverbs 19:11 a man's wisdom gives him patience the more i understand my anger the more patient i can become we need to ask ourselves why am i so ticked off why is this upsetting me so much Anger is a warning light. Play that little warning light thing. Here's what you ought to see. When you're anger, when you become angry, warning lights are going off. And the Bible says that we need to pay attention to the warning lights. Because anger is not really... Uh, we get irritated by surface issues. We get angry by life issues. Have you ever noticed that, that most arguments don't start with the real problem? They start with some type of surface issue... But it's hiding something deeper. I'll tell you what happened to me this week. I came back from visiting my dad and I was waiting on some parts to get here for one of my mowers and they weren't here. And I talked to this lady on Monday and she said, oh, no problem. You're in Texas. We'll get it to you. It'll be here by the time you get back. I come back. They're not here. And so I call and and I talked, of course, to a different lady and and she. I said I'd like to know where my parts are because the the email I got, the text I got, was that you're still processing it. it so I'm asking, did it take three days to process my credit card? And she goes, Oh no, we were busy and all this stuff. We just didn't get to yours and and da, da 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 da. And she said, Really, you should have called to make sure the part was available. Okay, that was irritation. And so I said, I did call. Well, did you ask if it was available? You said it was available. We didn't say it was available. I talked to you and it was available. Where is it now? Okay, so I escalated into anger. But here's the thing. The anger was not even the fact that my part wasn't here. The anger, now that I look back at it, the anger on my part was she was telling me I was too dumb to know how the process worked. She didn't say that, but that's what I felt like. You should have called. I did call. In fact, now that I know the whole process, I talked to her boss. I got to call back and talk to her boss and to her and and make things right. But do you understand that the whole issue, what I got irritated about wasn't even the issue. I felt like she was telling me I was too dumb to know what the process was. Is that what she said? No. Am I the only one? Y'all are looking at me like this has never happened. Deer in headlights going on here. No, we're innocent. We've never misunderstood anybody. So you've got to understand your anger. You only get to the real problem if you hang in there long enough to go through all of these feelings and you both get in touch with why you're angry. Now, towards the end of the movie, we finally figure out the root problem for Viola and see if you, uh, it's real obvious, see if you notice what it is in this final clip.
1: No! touch me. I got out of that car the same way I got in it, without you. Now, where is she?
0: You here with the bride or the groom? I'm here with my
1: mother. Oh, what a keep my mother longer
0: there. She looked a lot older.
1: Oh, look what
0: we have here. Oh, my God. You look beautiful. Oh,
1: my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, God, did you talk to the priest? I talked to him. He's just going to skip right over that hole if anyone should object. Part of it, so.
0: You're a vision in white, sweetie. Really.
1: Knock, knock. Look at you.
0: And so is your mother in law.
1: Mm, 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 mm. All right, everybody.
0: Me? Out. Out. Give the bride a moment.
1: What is that? What? Where's your bridesmaid's dress? Oh, I gave it to Ruby's daughter. She works at Hooter. She was thrilled. I don't have a daughter. Take off that white dress right now Or I'll take it off for you Don't you tell me what to do You did not just poke me Don't you touch me, you two-bed tramp Oh, Oh my God Viola, I'm so sorry I didn't mean to you. You don't go and slap somebody and then apologize Get some backbone Why don't you just face it? I am marrying Kevin today and there is nothing you can do about it. You face it. You'll never be good enough for him. It'll stop you from marrying my son. Oh, God. Well, no. <laughs> look at you. All in white. You are so predictable. Oh, Gertrude. I didn't know you were coming. You didn't? wonder why. Oh, I know. You didn't send me an invitation. I thought you were dead but evil doesn't die so easily. I heard you got sacked and thrown into a loony bin. Oh. My congratulations. Oh. oh my God. Oh my God. These hors d'oeuvres taste like old socks. Oh, Now, I want to get an up-close look at the bride. Holy Toledo! you are a stunner. My grandson is a lucky fella. Look what he did. He went out and found himself an exotic Latina. Would that my son had been that lucky? Here we go again. What? You were a television weather woman in Dubuque, Montana. You drove around in a broken down minivan, and you drank red wine from a box. Ah. Classy. You killed him, you know. What? You killed him. All the doctors agreed. My son died of terminal disappointment. If anybody killed him, you did. You smothered him to death. Nobody was ever good enough for him. My God, you look old. Mom, this woman is going to drive me insane. No, I'd rather not take all the credit. You'll
0: get over here. See what happens when you get stuck in the whole reaction phase. Um, You never move on to what God wants you to accomplish. So let me look with you at some causes, some root causes of anger. First one on your listening guide is when I feel unaccepted. When you reject who I am or what I do... When you compare me to other people and I come up short in your eyes. When you nag me, when you make fun of me, I get angry. That's being unaccepted. Second is when I feel unappreciated. When you take me for granted, you don't notice the things that I do around the house, my effort at home. When everything else in the world seems more important to, to you than me... I get angry. Husbands, this is one of the the highest reasons, number one reasons why your wife gets upset. She feels that everything in your life is more important than her. And in many on many occasions, everybody else in your life sees that everything is more important than her as well. And so many times she has the right to get angry. Third one, I feel unsupported. When you work against me instead of with me, I get angry. Um, when you don't share the load, when you're not responsible, when I feel unprotected like you don't have my back, then I get angry. Fourth one is when I feel uncertain, when I don't know I can trust you, when you're not reliable, when I don't know that what you're telling me is the truth, the words that you're saying are right, I get angry. So the key to dealing with anger is to understand it. 99% of the time, anger has to do with a couple of root issues. It's either hurt or fear. So when somebody says, I'm angry, really, if they would stop and think about it, they might it might be more appropriate to say, I'm hurt or I'm scared. I have fears about the future. When you begin to focus on hurt and fear, you're going to get to the real issue instead of dealing with the surface anger. Alright, so now the third thing, after we understand it, here's the third step the Bible tells us to do, is to deal with anger immediately. Don't procrastinate. You've all heard this, many of you have heard this, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. When you are angry, do not sin, and be sure to stop being angry before the end of the day. Do not give the devil a way to defeat you. So what that means is to resolve each day's anger by the end of the day. When you don't, what you're doing is you're throwing open the doors of your heart, and you're inviting satan your enemy god's enemy into your life to take up residence to just have full access to your life that's what you do when you don't resolve anger quickly and and this is a very literal rule that sometimes i think you ought to practice in your relationships especially in your marriages you may need to stay up all night to get through the reaction phase to get to the resolution phase janie and i have stayed up many times and and i gotta confess this to you sometimes Actually, most of the time when we've had these conversations that have to be deep conversations, it's not it's not at the best time. I'm tired. I'm looking at the, at the clock going, man, it's time to go to bed. There was actually one time Janie went to bed because she was I was not talking and she just goes to bed. And so I'm sitting there and I don't even want to watch TV. I'm just sitting there and, and after a while she comes back out. She was the more mature person, comes back out and sits down and says, We're gonna talk. And I'm thinking. Dude, this is going to last a while. And it did. Hours. I don't even remember. But I'm so grateful that my wife was more mature than I was. And, And by the time we finished, we were at a new level of intimacy. You see, conflict does not have to end a relationship. Would you agree that we're stronger in our relationship 20 years after we said I do? We just celebrated 20 years. No doubt in my mind that we, our relationship is stronger, but we've worked through issues. Now, sometimes it's taken us a few years, and, and we got another 30 years ago. I promised her 50 years, so 30 more years to go, and then we'll renegotiate. Um, but, but the reason your marriage is struggling right now, if it's struggling, is because you've not worked through some issues. There's unresolved anger. I don't care if you put it away or put it behind you, If you haven't resolved it, it's going to come back and it's going to bite you. And it's going to be worse than before. So you got to deal with it. Look what Job says. This is why you need to deal with it. You are only hurting yourself with your anger. The longer I wait to share my feelings, the more my feelings build up. When you're angry and you don't share it, it's going to build, it's going to build and you're going to meditate on it, and you're just going to replay it over and over and over in your mind, and it's going to build up. And any doctor or psychologist will tell you that anger is really energy, and if you put some energy into some place over and over and over, eventually that energy is going to burst out of there. One of my favorite ever Mythbusters episodes was the exploding water heater. And what they did was, the myth said that if you disable the uh, safeties on a water heater, which by the way, if that little thing on the side where the pipe comes out, and sometimes you may see it dripping, don't ever plug that up because they did that on Mythbusters. And so they did it first with just a small water heater, and then they got bigger and bigger. I love Mythbusters. I want to go on that show someday just to blow something up, have it on video so I can play it over and over and over again. But what they did was they built this house. They said, we're going to build a house to code and so that you're going to see this little red house. And it's built a California code with the rafters, with the roof, with the windows, with the doors, everything, insulation, everything. And they disabled all this stuff and they heat it up, they put energy in there and heat it up. Here, watch this. This this is the result of I think it's a fifty gallon water heater. Check this out. Excruciating. This kind of stress on a regular basis can't be good.
1: No shortening our lifespan.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna make it three fifty.
1: heater launches and tears through the roof like it's tissue you could practically have a three course meal while you're waiting for it to come back down
0: crazy crazy they another episode they built actually two floors and it went through the bottom floor went through the top floor and came out in this case they think it went about 500 feet high it shot up because there was so much energy in there well anger produces energy in your body and if you do not resolve it, if there's not some kind of pressure valve that you deal with it appropriately, you will explode. And I thought it was kind of um, interesting that the little house was completely destroyed because I think that's a metaphor for what happens in families all the time. We keep angering, We keep angering, in. We don't deal with it. We think we've put it behind us. But like those monsters, you know, in, in, the, in the movies, in those horror movies, you think you killed the monster and it just comes back twice as strong as before. That's what anger does to you. And when you blow up, because you will blow up, you're going to destroy your family. And the Bible says you're going to have nothing left. Does anybody want that? No, I didn't think so. Unresolved conflict just keeps on growing. Now, let me say this again. Anger is not sin. Resentment and bitterness are always sin. So we go back to that verse. It says, if you're angry, don't sin. That means there is a way to be angry and sin. But it also means there's a way to be angry and not sin. If you're angry, don't sin. By nursing a grudge. If you hold on to it, it will become resentment. Resentment is sin. Your heart turns black. Your life turns black. Your attitude turns black. Your words turn black. And you are a cloud of depression that infects everybody in your life. So, what the Bible says is we've got to move on to step four, which is control your anger. Proverbs twenty nine eleven says... A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Well, how do you keep yourself under control? We've got to learn to communicate our feelings without ta- attacking. We've got to attack the problem and not the person, the issue. James 1.19 gives us the key and it says, You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. If you do the first two, quick to listen, slow to speak, you'll, you'll do the third one just naturally. You'll be slow to be angry. He's saying, stop and think before you talk. Get your mind in gear before you get your mouth in gear. And here's, honestly, this is how I do this. When I do it correctly, the only way I know to do this is to look at this picture of Jesus. And I've shown you this before. Jesus on the cross. When I stop and I look at that picture, and then I look at any of you who I have issues with, and this has happened, we've been in ministry a long time. Stuff happens in ministry. We get hurt all the time in ministry. But I'm not bitter because I go to the cross and I look at Jesus and I say, Jesus, what I did, my sins are those stripes by his wounds. We are healed. The Old Testament says, and I look at the cross and then I I don't look at you until I look at the cross. I look at Janie through the cross if she's hurt me. And I know she doesn't mean to hurt me, but sometimes she hurts me. I hurt her much more than, than she hurts me. And I don't intend to do it. And how she can forgive me, I don't know, except she has to look through the cross. And the Bible says that if you'll look at every person and every situation through the cross, you'll get a new attitude on how you can resolve things with other people. It is possible, but only when you remember that Jesus forgave me far more than I'll ever have to forgive another human being. What would happen if our churches were filled with people who did these four steps? Filled with people who resolved their anger, who controlled their anger, who were were ministers of reconciliation, which is what Jesus said. Paul says that, that you've been given this ministry of reconciliation. You're supposed to turn around. Jesus reconciled us to God. You're supposed to turn around and reconcile. So if there's unreconciled relationships in your life... You are disobeying God until you go and attempt to make those right. Well, Proverbs fifteen one again, when I when I use this verse, it's awesome. When I don't, it's not awesome. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Okay, let's think real quickly. What does it mean to use gentle words? Because you think about this. When... I went home to see my dad because part of my my Father's Day present to him every year is to go home for a couple of days, and whatever dad needs done, I do. Dad's 89 years old and thinks he can still do everything he did 50 years ago. He can't. Dad can't even stand up straight. So dad works on lawnmowers and we do all of this stuff. And and so that's what he wanted to do. He wanted me to help him get some lawnmowers and some weed eaters fixed. So I'm tearing apart lawnmowers, weed eaters. Well, this phone call comes and it's this little old lady. She's just as old as my dad and she's like 10 times meaner than my dad. And and she's she, his description of her to me was she's legally blind in one eye and she can't see out of the other. And I thought, oh, dad's exaggerating. No, we went out to her house. That is dead on accurate. The lady can't see. So we get out there and and I walk in. Dad takes him like eight years to get from the van in. So I went in because she was already standing there. And I said, hi, Miss Carson. I'm Doug Washburn. She goes, I remember you. Sweetest little old lady I've ever met. I'm going, this can't be the lady that they're talking about. Because they told me stories. My sister went out there and they said, she's the meanest person on the planet. So I go up and I'm, oh, I remember you. You were this. Dad comes in and, and this thing comes over her face. And she said, you messed up my hose. My dad said, "I didn't touch your hose." And so, anyway, long story short, I I told Jane this. I told everybody. What happened was she can't see, and so somebody had—I don't know—a family member or something—had used her um, air compressor. She's got this this hose that's about a hundred feet long, and what she does, she uses it to blow out her garage. And so, she has this end on, on, on like a 10-foot hose, and then it's a quick connect that goes into another hose. Somebody had taken that out, put it over here, put the air chalk, you know, that you air up a tire with on there, so they'd aired up a tire. So I said, oh, I see the problem. I'll unhook this one and hook this one in. That's not the way I had it! and I mean, this little old 76-pound woman, I was not going to jack with her. And I said, okay, how'd you have it? All of these hoses, anyway... It took me 10 seconds to fix her problem and 15 minutes to convince her that I had fixed her problem. She was so mean. But I, I, somehow the grace of God, I'm on my knees, maybe that's what it was, I'm on my knees messing around with this thing and, find, and I'm just going, Lord, I am not going to get upset. I'm, I, she doesn't understand. She doesn't know. She can't see. She's got to be afraid. And really, that's what it was. I think the final assessment was she could not see to get it fixed and she didn't know. So when I finally got it fixed and I turned on the air compressor and I let her feel it and she squeezed it and she goes, Oh, that's the way it's supposed to be. I knew that. I didn't say it. I was just like, thank you, Jesus. Cause we were there a long time and we had a lot of stuff to get done. And I, I was just on my knees on concrete all that time. And, and I was like, thank you, Lord. And then I watched her. She had a little hole in her, um, uh, Workbench where she had to put the hose so she'd know where it was and she's feeling for it because she can't see it. And I said, Miss Carson, there's actually two holes there. And she goes, I don't know which one it is. And she feels and sticks it in there. And I went away thinking, wow, the whole reason she's angry is because she's scared. And if something's not the way she knows it should be, she can't fix it. And nobody was around but my dad, my 89-year-old dad. Dude, those two do not need to be in a garage together. Ever. My sister told me that. She was right. Somehow, in the midst of all that, I kept giving her gentle answers, and we finally got there, and I was praising Jesus. Well, here's how you do it. Number one, you be brief. If you blow steam for 20 minutes without coming up for air, that's not being gentle. Even if you're smiling while you say it. You state your case, let the other person... State their case, you keep going at it. Number two, be specific. Don't say, I wish you'd be neater. What's your standard of neatness? Everybody here would have a different standard of neatness. Well, it needs to be this, 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 this. Say, I really would appreciate it if you would not leave your dirty underwear on the doorknob. That's pretty specific, right? Please get your clothes near the hamper. I I can follow those. That's specific. Number three, be humble. Proverbs 13.10 says, Pride leads to... Put that up there if you would, Miriam. Pride leads to what? Anytime you have conflict, someone's ego got stepped on. I've got an ego, you've got an ego, every time. I don't care if it's in business, in home, I don't care what it is. There are egos and they're clashing. Humility is the exact opposite of ego. And the Bible says, don't use harmful words in talking. Use only helpful words, the kind that build up and provide what is needed. Go ahead and put that next verse up there, Miriam. Ephesians Ephesians 4.29 When you're in a conflict, you need to establish ground rules. There are certain things that are off limits. One thing, never call each other names. You've crossed the line. You're not pleasing to God, and you will not resolve the situation. Never call names. Number two, never bring up their list of past sins. If you're stuck in the past, your life stinks, and you're pulling everybody else around you down, and you've got to move on. Romans 12:18 says this, "If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone." I've, I've quoted this verse many, many times because some people will not let you live at peace. Some people, no matter what you do, they are not going to be peaceful with you. So my advice is, if you've been specific, if you've been brief, you've been humble, if you've tried to resolve conflict and they will not resolve the conflict, forgive them and let it go and live your life. Because as funny as this movie is, it's not funny in real life when you encounter a monster-in-law. Or someone in your life that just constantly attacks you. It's not funny at all. Now, I want you just to bow your heads for a second. And I don't know if anybody's going to respond to this or not. And I'm not saying that you need to stand up and give a testimony about what's making you angry. But if there is something in your life that you are struggling with and you'd like special prayer for... Would you stand up? Nobody's going to look around. You can stay standing for just a moment. I want to pray for you. Anyone else? God, when I see people being really gut level honest like this, I know you must be at work. I don't know the issues, but you do. You've told us in your word that you know every moment of our lives, you know every day from the moment we're conceived until our life on this planet ends, you know it all. And you know what's going on in these folks' lives. God, anger is something that just hurts us. Sometimes anger is appropriate, but we let it go into bitterness, God. And we need, we need some supernatural power to learn how to forgive others. Because we've been nursing it over and over. We've been hurt. We'd like to get revenge, but you've told us in your word that vengeance is yours. So, Father, I just pray for these people a special measure of grace, a special measure of forgiveness, and a special measure measure of wisdom as they deal with their issues. And, God, I look forward to the day that some of these people come to me and say, I'm free because of what Jesus did on the cross. Keep your heads bowed. You can sit down if if you stood up. Some of you just are never going to get to the point of forgiveness because you've never been forgiven by Jesus Christ. And you've never been adopted into his family. And you quite honestly don't understand the power that we're talking about. The Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available for his followers. We're always praying around here for marriages to be resurrected, for lives to be resurrected, friendships to be resurrected. But some of you, to experience that, you're going to have to be adopted into God's family. And it's very simple. It's a free gift that Jesus offers you, but it's the most expensive gift you'll ever receive. And if you want to receive that gift, the Bible says that you do this. You call on the name of the Lord. You ask Him to forgive you and save you. And the Bible says that He'll adopt you into His family. So you do it like this. You say, God, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask you to forgive me. And to lead me for the rest of my life. Such a simple decision can literally change the trajectory of your life. So if you need to, I'm just going to ask you to pray that. God, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. And please lead me. And adopt me into your family. Father, I know that spiritual warfare is real. I know that lives are being destroyed, and many times it's because of our own choices. Give us wisdom and give us grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your registration cards, if you would, and fill those out. And uh, we always ask you to write something down. And so I'm going to ask you, which one is more appropriate for you to write on the back of that card? Do you need to admit your anger? Have you been denying it? And you just write down number one. I will not know what you're talking about. Do you need to understand your anger? You don't know why you keep getting angry over the same things. That's number two. Number three is, do you need to get in the habit of dealing with your anger immediately? Are you one of those people that puts it off, puts it off, puts it off? That's number three. And number four was, do you need to learn how to control your anger? Put that down there. Um, if you prayed today, and it's the first day you've prayed and asked Jesus to forgive your sin, and lead your life, write that on there. And uh, I want to talk to you um, in the days ahead about that decision. We have three baskets at the back. One is our joy basket. Woo! All of our church members, regular attenders, we expect you to give. If you're a guest, we never ask for a dime of your money. This is our gift to you, so you just walk on by there. Have a second basket, which is our registration card basket. Put those in there. If you have prayer concerns, write those down, because I pray over those throughout the week. And then our third basket is what we call building a great life basket basket. We are uh, trying to get out of debt. Everything that goes in there goes directly to the debt on this building. And then eventually we're going to build a new worship center out on the parking lot. So that's what that separate one is. If you are interested in staying for 101, that is happening back here at the back in just about 10 minutes. So uh, just hang out there. If you have children and you're staying for 101, you take them to the second classroom on the left back there. That's Janie's classroom. And we will have child care during that time. You're dismissed.